This is The A. I'm Reg Clay. Norman G. is not here. He is busy. Uh, this is The A, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. As always, we are sponsored by Central Works, a new play theater headed up by Gary Graves and Jans Leifler. Central Works, reinventing theater one play at a time. As always, I want to thank Central Works for sponsoring us and our wonderful consulting producer, Mallory Samara, who helps uh, make the yay as wonderful as it is. And I have two wonderful guests. I have James Jones and Laura Jiang. How, how are you two doing? Good. Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. <laughs> thank you so much. It's a Sunday, so this is very unusual. I'm missing the, the, the bills and... and um, <laughs> And Chiefs are playing, so the only other time they played, it was in the AFC Championship game, but that's okay. I'll, I'll, I can survive. Wait, but, who's uh, your go-to uh, football team? Uh, it's been tough because I'm from the D.C. area, and I'm not allowed to wear my <laughs> my usual – I can't even say the word anymore. The Washington – Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Commanders the, the, now. The, yeah, they're the commanders <laughs> now, and mm. Daniel Snyder is very skeezy. He's just uh, – they're, they're trying to kick him out of the, uh, the NFL. Yeah. Have you heard the scandal of uh, uh, Daniel Snyder? No. He is basically an owner who made his cheerleaders, um, I guess, I don't know, um, show up – in a, if not a overtly sexual nature, but a absolutely skimpy, what? right? Yeah, yep. uh-huh. <clears throat> and threatened to fire them if they didn't. Oh mm-hmm. That's gosh. just one of the ma- many things that he's done. And of course, indigenous um, Native Americans have mm. uh, always had an issue with the uh, the R name, mm. which. As a kid, I grew up with. I grew up under th- with looking at Thiesman and John Riggins and the Fun Bunch and the Hogs. And you and, have all the logos, right? I yeah. Mean, well, yeah. I, I do have a jersey, uh, you know, that I have that I haven't worn in a while. And, uh, you know, after Jack Kent died, Daniel Snyder, he bought the team. And he's just very, I mean, the world is littered with uh, multimillionaires who <laughs> want to live their own lives. And do do things their own way, yep. yeah. Mm. But otherwise, you guys have just finished doing company. <laughs> and how was that? I'm so jealous. I love that. I love this. I mean, I'm a Stephen Sondheim fan. Period. Mm. But company is just one of those uh, fantastic uh, musicals. Um, did you guys have a wonderful closing? Yes, we. I think this experience is so unique because bring around closer. Oh, just sorry. Yeah, that's okay. Like here. Oh, oh, here. Oh, there you okay. go. <laughs> <laughs> um, because we actually started the process last year. Um, the rehearsal started on my birthday last year, actually November fifteenth. Wow. Um, and then we got postponed because of COVID in January. So we took a break for like eight months, and then restarted again in August. So I think it's very rare to be sitting with material for like a year or more, or less, a little less. It's less than a year. We were almost there. If we waited another month, it would have been. <clears throat> Yeah. Year. Well, at least, you, at least you can get off book, right? Definitely <laughs> off book. They were expecting that for sure in August, right? I mean, if you've had mm-hmm. a script for a year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> especially material that's been around for 30 years, 40 years. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, I would imagine that would be tough because, you know, you're not with the director. I, I don't know. Were there like Zoom meetings or anything like that? No, we no. only did in-person rehearsals and we did have understudies for every role just in case. Yeah. But even still, we it was a literal back. break from January. And then during that time, Lauren was doing uh, the one act plays that you were writing. That's right. The, the pair slices. Pair slices, which is right there. You see the poster there? Yeah. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So that was cool. I want to talk about that really quick before sure, we go into sure. the company. I, I mean, we're going we're gonna to spend a whole hour. So we have <laughs> <more> time. <laughs> lots of time to talk about. Yeah. I, I loved it. 
My favorite scene, mm-hmm. or favorite actor, excuse me, was the rooftop. Um, oh, yes. What was it called? What was the title? S- of it? Coffee and Coffee, cigarettes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was wonderful. We I've interviewed Ann Yumi Kabori, and uh, she's just a fantastic uh, writer, good actress as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't seen her on stage, but she just—I mean—it's an art. Being a writer myself, it's very, very difficult to say so much with so little words, mm-hmm. and she yes. does that really, really well. And incorporating all the elements of like the Bay Area culture, you know, with Oakland and sure—it's. Just, it, it's, it wasn't heavy right in the beginning, and yeah. that's what I love about it. Yeah, right. It, it it was slowly unraveling into this. Oh, this is what the situation is about. You know, she just lost her child, and they're trying to, mm-hmm. you know, figure out that whole situation. But in the beginning, it was. I love how you portrayed your character and how Lauren wasn't completely just depressed. Right. Yeah. It's I love characters that are complicated, mm-hmm. and it's in that middle ground and. I, I love that scene. It's one of my favorite scenes, seeing um, from Pear Slices. Yeah, no, no, no. Thank you very much. And I'm sure Anne, I wish that Anne had actually seen it, but it was really, really cool. And like I said, as a writer, I was like, wow, you know, this is a sort of a lesson on how to how to write mm. and how to, you know, be succinct without having to dive into exposition and, mm-hmm. you know, saying way too much, mm-hmm. you know. If the audience doesn't know what's going on, that's sort of okay if they have enough to go by. You know what I mean? What was the process like getting into it? Well, I mean, Laura and I can talk about that, but I mean, Mm -hmm. it was it was the first time that I had been on stage during, I mean, post COVID. So having to deal with having to have the masks on because I'm very big into vocal exercises before I go on stage, Mm -hmm. like the articulators and the resonators, just getting the voice warmed up. Even if you're in a black box theater, you want to make sure that, you know, you have all those, those tools there. And I felt sort of handcuffed by not being able to do that. And also we did a lot of rehearsals just via zoom. So there wasn't really physical physicality at all. Yeah. You told me about that. Yeah. I do remember that, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. mostly I guess we didn't need too much rehearsals in the space since they were mm-hmm. shorter scenes. So Exactly. So, we, yeah, exactly. If, if you're only spending, like, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes on it. Okay. But still, the more time you can spend together, the more you can sort of work out things or discover things uh, that, you know, that you may not be able to do uh, on stage. So mm-hmm. when you got to the space for both of you, when you finally got to the space, was it kind of was it awkward at first or it's like okay no we have a general idea maybe we could change this or maybe like mm-hmm. something I, I don't know did something change when you were doing redoing the scene I mean I felt comfortable I mean I, I don't want to, you can jump in at any time Lauren but uh, I you know Troy was fantastic when it comes to coffee and cigarettes Troy Johnson as a director I really want to get him on the yay okay. because he knows how to there's some directors and I've talked about this on with other episodes of the yay there's some directors that are really really bad <laughs> And talking to actors, let's just be honest with it. They're like, do it this way. And I'm like, why? I don't know, it just looks good. You know, or you know, you don't have any motivation or they're just mm-hmm. irritated with what you're doing, but you you don't know why or you can't get into their minds. And Troy was very relaxed and just letting us, you know, a lot of the direction that we got was purely superficial, just, you know, spacing yeah. and that sort of stuff. Yeah, a lot based in your own personality and what you want to bring to the part. Right, mm-hmm. right, exactly. So, you know, I, I felt comfortable. Okay. Comfortable with it as well. Um, there have been a couple of uh, current events. We tried to mix in, you know, some things that have been going on in the world. Um, 
There have been some national things, like Trump was subpoenaed for the January 6th committee. I don't know if he's going to answer to the subpoena. So that'll be interesting. I've been, it's been fascinating. You know, there's been sort of a stop go with this January 6th subcommittee. It's like they, we hear some testimony and then it stops for like two weeks and I don't see anything at all. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, what's happening here? Is there going to be an arrest? Why are we doing this? Is this just show and play for the midterm elections? So I don't know you guys, either of you have a take on what's happening nationally and if there's a, a fear that, Trump will be reelected or, you know, I don't know your political aff- affiliations or anything like that. Mm, I haven't been following it, actually. But, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't really know the state of affairs with that, actually. To be honest, same. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah but I'm sure there's some. Yeah, there's definitely. Yeah. I've been seeing a lot of commercials, um, just women wanting the vote to get out because to protect, you know, the right to choose and that yeah. sort of stuff. And mm-hmm. there's been some national news about individuals and it's so sad women having to cross state lines to get to get an abortion yeah and it shouldn't have to be that way no not at all and then it goes back to the whole discussion of like you know the woman's choice yes at the end of the day yes you know yeah what do you want to say i mean do you i mean when roe fell i mean did you have a uh, reaction at all lauren Hmm. I, I don't want to put you guys on the spot. If you guys don't want to talk about that, that's that's totally cool. No, it's okay. Mm, I think, well, I guess I have a complicated relationship with abortion. But to, but right now, yeah, I've reached a place where I believe that every woman should choose. But I was raised in church, so I think growing up, I didn't really believe that and didn't understand it. But as I become an adult woman myself, I can... I fully understand that and wanting to do that and I know for myself I wouldn't but I understand that why some women would definitely need to and want to do that so yeah I mean I I, I was raised in the church I uh, grew up as a matter of fact my mom is an ordained minister I have mm. two oh. aunts from both sides who are ordained ministers mm. in the black baptist uh, church mm. um but you know America are full of individuals who are excuse me Christian Muslim agnostic atheist but all of us are american and i don't i've never wanted to you know when i tell people that i'm a christian i've even had a christian podcast that i had for several years Mm. uh, with a friend of mine until he moved to texas and so that sort of uh, ended it but it was called you gotta have faith but in any case um some people get you know they get cringy they're like you know well you know i'm a christian i was uh, baptized you know when i was 21 years old and you know i believe in god and they're like okay don't preach to me <laughs> just don't mm-hmm. don't <laughs> don't push your faith yes. on me yeah, yeah. The agenda, like, hey yeah. don't worry about that because i've i have friends who are gay lesbian transgendered i have friends who are muslim who are agnostic it's not my job. You know, I don't want to use the Bible to weaponize it to yeah. tell people what yeah. they're doing wrong. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And, it, and, it, and when people do that and when politicians do that, it makes all Christians look bad. Mm-hmm. You know. No, and that's my concern. Growing up, you know, I'm Catholic. Yeah. You know, Lauren's Protestant. And you know, growing up with with my friends and even now, you know, I, I get a little hesitant in bringing, you know, up my mm-hmm. faith and all that. But they're very respectful. I think it's the people that you surround yourself. Yeah. Right. And the friends that you are with mm-hmm. that they listen. And that's the big thing. 
Yeah. You know, they're not judging. Right. You know, but they're listening. They don't have to believe 100% everything that you believe. And mm-hmm. that's fine. Right. That's the beauty of it. Of right. Growing up and in a community mm-hmm. of, of diversity. Right. Yeah. But that's why I love my friends so much because they do listen to me and they know how, you know, important my faith is, you know, when I go to church. Mm-hmm. And then same with, you know, same with Lauren, right? I mean, you're... Yeah, I think it's just about surrounding yourself with people. It doesn't matter if you share all the same views, but people who listen and care about you as a human. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And, of course, we couldn't be involved in the theater community if we didn't have that belief. Mm. Yeah. Because uh, how in the world are you going to work with people who are from different diversities and cultures and Mm -hmm. backgrounds Mm -hmm. if you're not open towards that? So, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, that's the mindset that I have. Also, um... So there's a council member, Nuri Martinez. She resigned. She was the council member in Los Angeles who, I guess there was an open mic, and uh, I guess they're talking about redistricting uh, in in uh, California. And she had made some very racist remarks about black people, I mean, comparing them to monkeys and things like that, which was what? really, really horrible. So there's a big thing that's happening in L.A. Uh, right now. Also, Kanye Weston, he made some very anti-Semitic remarks. There's a lot of craziness going on in the world right now. And uh, I, when I talk with a lot of my theater friends, especially playwrights, they've been putting a lot of what's happening out in the world into, into their, their scripts. Mm. And I've seen that even with, uh, when we did Pear Slices, uh, when um, Linda Omaiosan wrote about what happened in Cuba, you know, That's like the right. aftermath of the hurricane. And that was before Hurricane Ike. So when Hurricane Ike happened, I wrote to Linda Amaya Hassan and said, oh, my God, it's happened again. So it's, it's crazy. Another thing that's happened in the news, a little bit on a lighter note. <laughs> so uh, you may have heard last week, I think it was, it was the last week, the week after last, a uh, NASA launched a satellite to hit an asteroid to divert it. You guys didn't hear about this. <laughs> Why no. did they divert it? Well, there's been a fear that if an asteroid hits Earth and it's oh. big enough that it could, you know, We'll go away like oh. the dinosaur. Oh. So they have been. We so I guess NASA has been working on a program to send astro uh, send satellites to hit an asteroid to change its di- mm. change its tra- 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 trajectory. trajectory. Right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. But they so they hit it last week, and they've been monitoring the asteroid to see if it actually worked. And this week, the news is it did work. Oh. So we are able to. It's sort of like pool. It's like it's like uh, <laughs> space pool. <laughs> space pool. <laughs> Nice. You hit the cue ball to divert the eight ball, you know, somewhere else other than Earth. So it actually works. So wow. you can tell already. Like Lauren and I don't really. We need to update ourselves. Yeah, we need to update current events. It's okay. I'm a bit she's of a not on Instagram. Like I, I barely, you know. Yeah. I think we're so. Do you guys get push notifications on your phones, like when things happen? No? I do get. I'm I'm subscribed to the date. Uh, like the Bay Area news yeah. uh, email newsletter, so I get those. So I guess that's why I don't know about national news. I I, I don't. I I've been listening to podcasts now. Yeah. Um. I've been listening to like Freakonomics mm-hmm. recently and just learning like different. I, I forgot what episode that I listened to, but mm-hmm. it's comparing the the education system to like a lottery or something. So it's really oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And as as an educator myself, yeah, that's huge because mm-hmm. education system has been set in its ways for 
the longest time. We yeah. have the traditional. Are you pro private school? Do you or public school? Because when I think about the lottery system, I think about. It. I remember when. Huh. Who was it? I think it was George W. Bush when he ran for president. He was really pushing for private schools, and I guess there are these lotteries that parents who are who don't have money mm-hmm. can win to put their kids in private schools. And I said to myself, "Well, I grew up in the D.C. public school system. Don't abandon public schools, you know." No, mm-hmm. no, 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 exactly. No, no. Yeah. And I work at a public school, right? Oh, yeah. See there. So I'm, yeah. So I I see benefits and cons to both because mm-hmm. the public school is not perfect. Of course. Not at all. And there are a lot of issues with it, yeah. Exactly. So, but at the same time, you know, it gives everybody that opportunity to get that free education. Whereas, like, private schools, you know, you have to take a test to get in. Sure. You know, some some private schools, right? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you got to pay. And yeah. the, the teacher salary is also... You know, it's well, well not sure. That public schools, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. No, no, no. In private schools, compared to public schools, that's fascinating. I, I mm-hmm. did not know that because I, I did have a friend of mine. There was a lady that I was dating, and she was in the public. As a matter of fact, she was teaching children. She was tutoring children of parents who are very wealthy. Yeah. So mm-hmm. she was. She, you know, she's doing really, really well. But I always thought that, wow, I thought if you go to private schools, if you're getting that private funding, then it would, would go to the teachers. It I doesn't. Think, I think it depends on the district, too. Huh. Right? So the district that I am part of um, in Union City, you yeah. know, the, the, the pay for public schools are actually higher than compared to, like, hmm. Oakland or, I don't know, like, in San Jose area, Santa Clara and all yeah. that. So I'm very fortunate in that aspect. And plus, what I'm also fortunate about is that the diversity of yeah. students, oh, that's which awesome. is so important. Yeah. So important because it also not enlightens me yeah. as a teacher, but also enlightens my students who are working with other students from different backgrounds. Yeah. Right. When I hear about parents that want to homeschool their children, the thing that screams in my mind is you're isolating your yeah. child from other kids mm-hmm. and how yeah. are they going because i really think the most important thing yes math is important um you know english is important yeah i was big on history i'm a very i'm a big history nut mm-hmm. you know i can tell you all thing about the presidents and things but about your ability to communicate to people yes is the most important people especially people who are not of your culture yeah mm-hmm. of your diversity yeah and you know what classes they have and i'm like damn i didn't have this they what's have that like latinx they had nice. um, also, uh, what else, like women's right classes. Oh, very good. There's none of these classes growing up. None yeah. at all for me. Yeah. Right? And this is so, so <clears throat> great. You know, um, LGBTQ class. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm happy that the direction that they're going with, they have all these different electives. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really, really cool. Yeah. And it ties into, this is probably the last thing that I'll bring up before we get into an origin story and a love story. <laughs> I love these love stories. But when you talk about children, I think about children who are isolated. Let's say, you know, they are parents who are very woke and they're like, hey, I want you to meet, you know, people from different diversities and all the, the others. Mm. And then you have, um, so Nicholas Cruz, the Nicholas Cruz, that was the kid who, um, I think it was Majority Stoneman Douglas. He basically shot and killed a bunch of kids. And his sentencing was just this past week. What's fascinating is you, uh, he avoided the death penalty. Basically, um, a jury basically found him guilty. But there were quite a few. I think it was three to nine to three that favored death. But three were like, no, we don't believe in the death penalty, mm-hmm. um, which I don't have a problem with. You know, as a Christian, I don't believe that death, you know, begats a death. 
Um, but I'm sure it, you know, there's a, a question of, well, gee, you know, if other, others are getting the death penalty, then, you know, how could he escape it? And, of course, there are some parents who are very, very upset. Mm. So uh, I found that fascinating. But Nicholas Cruz was one of those kids who was isolated yeah. from other kids. And I think when you have children who are isolated and who aren't yeah. brought into this diversity, you can create... Uh, a sort of a, a kindle, you, you're sort of creating a time bomb mm-hmm. because there are a lot of kids like there, like Nicholas Cruz, yeah. who will, for whatever reason, let's say they're teased, and or for whatever reason they feel they're not the same as others, they'll grab a gun and boom. Yep, and they could go and if they're isolated, right? Yeah, go to the room. Go on the internet, mm-hmm. and they could look at whatever is on the internet, and that will give them ideas. As too. a teacher, James, I'm sure you've had training about this sort of stuff. Like, you know, what do you do if if there's an emergency or whatever? I mean, go ahead. Oh my gosh, it's so weird that you just brought that up. That's literally the training we were just talking about last mm-hmm. week. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I don't know what specifically you want to know, but basically, yeah, it's 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 bizarre for me as a first year teacher. Of like, okay, this is what I need to do when an active shooter is on campus. You know, here are the special, you know, things you got to be aware of. And you got to, you have a bucket for a kid who needs to go to the bathroom. And, mm. you know, it's, it's so sad. I'm smiling right now because it's the awkwardness of like, wow, this is the new reality. This well, is it. I mean, yeah, you have to laugh uh, to keep from crying. I mean, they yeah, were, they, it's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we had that training. We had that discussion. And mm-hmm. I'm still trying to come in terms with it. You know, and I try not to be so negative every time, you know, Lauren and I get together and we talk to see, mm-hmm. hey, how was your day? You know, but there's still stuff like that that happens. And I'm like, damn. Well, I totally get it because, I mean, I've had friends and, and, and I have a bunch of aunts who are, have been teachers throughout their lives. Of course, they were teachers in the 80s and the 70s. Mm-hmm. They're retired now. They've never had to deal with, you know, um, what they call metal detectors. Yep. They've never had to deal with, you know, like if you're an alarm or hear a message, you know, to tell your children what to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you became a teacher, you became a teacher to teach the kids and to, you know, enlighten them on, you know. How what's it going to be like to be an adult? All the fun things. Mm. This is not part. You know, you didn't sign up for this. <laughs> Should not be exactly. Part of yeah, the I'm aware. I'm not going to be like, oh, I didn't know I was signing up. Like I know because I changed my career from accounting to this. Something mm-hmm. to me that I feel more passionate about. Yeah, and you know, I, I could create more of an inspiration, right? Yeah. I'm learning. I'm still learning. Do all my students love me? No. But I try to meet them halfway and I try to know what is going on and I do and I try to check in with them. Yeah. Um but as a math teacher, you know, that's another struggle in itself because there's some kids who go into class and they're like, nope. Nope, don't want to deal with math. I don't. <laughs> I hate math. I had a bad experience. I'm not going to deal with it. Unfortunately, that was one of those. <laughs> and it's tough. And I try to meet them halfway. Yeah. I ask them why mm-hmm. in the beginning of the year. Right, I try to get to know them. And it's either a teacher they had previously, or it's just the content itself. You know. And I say, hey, you just you want to pass? All yeah. right. So here's the goal. And I tell them. Pass this class. If mm-hmm. you're not going to take any of the math classes, cool. Then your goal is to get to that elective that you want to take. Wh- yep. Whether it's like choir or acting or whatever. Yeah. You know, get to that goal mm-hmm. so you don't have to worry about math. That could be in your background now. 
Yeah. Smart. That's yeah. a smart way of, of mm-hmm. thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Were you good in math when you were? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I made it to AP statistics, uh-huh. but I never did calculus or pre I didn't, yeah, never. No, I didn't do any of that either. And it's odd because when I first, my day job, I worked for the district attorney's office. And my Mm -hmm. first three years, they put me in uh, grants where I had to manage uh, the grants of certain, you know, because we have not just the general fund, but like, let's say, environmental fund and other things. Yeah. And managing those accounts to make sure. And it's not a great deal of math, but that's not, (laughs) that's not my... I have nothing on my resume that would, you know, I'm, I'm very good with that Microsoft Excel. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And that's actually, that's so weird you brought that up. That's government accounting yeah. right there. You're dealing with different funds. Sure. Oh, wow. Wait, when did you do that? This was in 97. So, well, I mean, a little bit, just a little bit of my origin story. I'm from, I was born in Texas, yeah. raised in Washington, D.C. I went to school at NYU. I went back to D.C. because my degree wasn't going to get me anything in the, as far as the day job's concerned. Yeah, yeah. But I did work for the graduate law school when I was there. So that was something I put on my resume. In D.C., basically, the um, you're working in the government. I mean, whether it be D.C. government or the federal government, that's sort of the uh, the the main occupation you would have there. So I basically did a bunch of temp jobs and worked there and put that on my resume. And then my job, my boss, Rage quit while I was in D.C. <laughs> and came out to uh, San Francisco and was like, hey, I've got a job lined up for you. Work for the DA's office. I was like, okay, great. Came in out in here in 97. I've been here ever since. That's amazing. Yeah, and that's cool networking in a <laughs> exactly. nutshell. Yeah. And we were talking about being social and all that sort of stuff and just you know making connections and everything. Mm-hmm. And then I realized there was a theater community here. It's like, wow, this is awesome. Yes. That's- <laughs> Speaking of which, an origin story. <laughs> Let's begin with Lauren. Where were you born and raised, and how did the theater bug bite you? I am hmm, born and raised in the Bay Area. So I've been here most of my life, except for college. I went to Southern California, and I've lived abroad briefly, and in New York briefly, and then I came back. Mm-hmm. But um, Siblings? I do have one younger brother. Okay. Yeah, and then my the- theater. I was always very reserved and shy growing up, but I always loved singing ever since I was a baby. So... Mm-hmm. Um, finally, I got the courage to sing in an audition for my sixth grade musical. And what was the musical? Uh, it it's not a real musical, but it was called okay. it was called Theseus and the Minotaur. is based on the Greek uh, legend. Okay. But so ever I don't know. I think the thing about theater is it allows you to explore a new identity and. It gives you the lines to say so you don't have to be nervous about what you're going <laughs> right. to say. Yeah. And you have this freedom to explore everything within those lines and the personality. And I don't know. It just, I I was overwhelmed with more confidence once I started doing theater. And ever since then, I just love it. Fantastic. Yeah. Now, when you went to college, did you go to college for theater? No, I didn't. I would have liked to, but my parents wouldn't <laughs> let me major. So you haven't theater. had any formal training as far as theater is concerned? No, I have not. Okay. Yeah, just self-taught and community theater. Mm-hmm. And we've had a lot of debates about whether it's even necessary. You know, there are a lot of folks who have been into, they've studied, and let's say they've had bad experiences. Some have had good experiences. Mm. So it's, I'll be interested to hear, you know, what your take is on that. Uh, James? 
Um, my origin story started with my sixth grade teacher. Yeah. Where were you born and raised? Oh, here uh, in Bay Area. I was in Fremont. Okay. And yeah. That... Siblings? No, only child. Okay. Yeah. I was an only child until my dad remarried, and I'm the oldest of four. Oh, nice. Yeah. But yeah, no, born and raised in Fremont. Um, sixth grade teacher, uh, Mr. Creed, Tim Creed, mm-hmm. amazing man. Um, also ta- taught me accountability. Mm-hmm. He did a elementary school version of Romeo and Juliet. Nice. At first, I was like, no, I don't want to be, I don't want to kiss. I don't want to do any oh, of Oh, you're that. a Romeo. No. Okay. I, I was like, can I be a character that dies off early? And he was like, oh, there's Mercutio. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. And I milked the death scene and I realized the audience <laughs> reaction. And I was like, yeah, this is great. This is for me. Yeah. <laughs> now, for both of you. Did your parents accept, I mean, when you, as adults, you know, like you tell your folks, hey, I'm in a show or whatever, bad reaction, good reaction? I mean, are, are you supported by your family? I am. Um, I think my parents can see how happy it makes me and how when I'm on stage, I feel so comfortable. So they have been supportive, even though they weren't supportive of me majoring in it. They mm-hmm. are, in general, they do always come see my shows and I feel like they support Same thing for you, James? Well, yeah. I think in the beginning, um, uh, my dad was a little hesitant, mm-hmm. right? He was like, oh, okay. Because he put me in everything, like guitar lessons, swimming, karate, and I had zero interest, right? Mm-hmm. But with theater, and he came and saw, and I guess when he saw the audience's reaction, he was like, awesome. And he's been, you know, my dad's been, both my parents have been number one supporters ever since. So, yeah. That's, no, that is awesome. (laughs) I'm pulling up, um, there's a book that I've been reading and I'm trying to, uh, to find the title. Isaac, okay. Uh, The Method by Isaac Butler. Okay. And it deals with Stanislavski. I'm sure you guys are familiar Uh, with Konstantin Stanislavski and method acting mm -hmm. and a lot of folks who do learn theater and like formally like beats and objectives and that sort of Mm. stuff they sort of learn from that and basically the book talks about how Stanislavski was in Russia in the turn of the century and then there was Stella Adler Lee Mm -hmm. Strasberg and there was one other um I can't remember the individual's name who basically came to America to bring the method here Mm -hmm. and you know there's some advantages like there are individuals like Christian Bale and Robert De Niro and a lot of folks who win awards because they they take on the method Mm -hmm. Heath Ledger you know becoming the Joker Mm -hmm. but then there's some disadvantages where let's say you go you may go too far um, there was a story that there was an individual who, I guess, had a fight scene and he was just so much into it they actually hurt the other actor. And, you know, just other things like that. Yeah. Um, do you guys have a take at all as far as, you may not have studied it, but whether it's even necessary, because you're still getting cast, you're still mm. getting roles uh, without having having studied it, but... Do you think in the back of your mind, well, maybe I do need to take some acting classes or or maybe it's like, you know, I'm cool. I'm I'm just good with where I am. I think I I remember visiting um, an acting class in San Francisco and something felt weirdly cult, cult-like about it. Can it. Be. it can mm-hmm. be. I don't know. And it's like the teacher's forcing them to do these things that are str- like, not just strange, but it's just the energy felt very strange in that room. Mm-hmm. So... I can see why acting class would help people come out of their own mind and their own limitations on what they think a character can be. Yeah. But I guess it really just depends on the school and and the teacher that you go to. And I think it also depends on the roles that you want. You know, Mm -hmm. you may not need a role where you need method or, or method or whatever. You know, you just need 
you just have a role that's comfortable for you. What, what do you think, James? I think um, I with Lawrence because there's, I've been into some of those acting classes, and I'm like, this is not for me. Yeah. It does not work for me. I relate to experiences that I have, emotions that I have felt. It may not be related to that scene, but I know the emotion that yeah. that scene is trying to capture. And yeah. I had that emotion, so I yeah. can recall back to it. Yeah. I think the important type of classes are um, like dialect. If you want to try to take some like some different like dialect classes. Yep. Um, super important. Try to get the different um, to get your tongue adjusted. Oh yes, yes. Articulators, like I've talked yes. about, you know, like mm -hmm. uh, vocal training. Like you know, mm -hmm. one of the things that I do before I go on stage, there are things called the resonators and the articulators. Resonators are, let's say, if you have a deep voice, you can make a deep voice, or if you have a high voice, you know, you can. Mm -hmm. And emotionally, if you have emotional things that are going on on stage, your voice can do a lot of the work. Yes. Where you don't have to cry on stage, but if your voice does that, mm. then it does the work for you. Mm. And of course, the articulates. Aluminum linoleum. Unique New York. I slit a sheet, a sheet, I slit a Yes. She yes. does sit. <laughs> Make sure people understand what you're saying. That's what I did for my, uh, I did a summer camp before I started teaching uh, mm -hmm. for a youth theater at Star Trek Theater. Yeah. Uh, shout out to them. That's yeah. where I came from. Um, and that was the main focus that I try to instill with a lot of my students um is articulating what are you saying because a lot of them were like Mah! right but i'm like okay that's still funny yeah right but articulate it and you will get a laugh for yep. sure yep. okay you don't have to go over the top where mm -hmm. we're gonna lose your line right just say your line mm -hmm. and you will get a laugh yeah so i think training has a lot to do with undoing a lot of the bad habits you have if yeah. you have bad yeah. habits yeah um but it shouldn't take away your soul. And when you mm -hmm. talk, Lauren, about theater somehow being, a, you know, or I guess Trent Theater classes being having a cult-like status, it can. And for a lot of bad teachers who are like, listen, my way is the only way. You can only learn mm -hmm. this way. It's, it's horrible. Mm -hmm. And I have had some friends of mine who have been in theater classes who left with tears in their eyes you know they pay thousands of dollars or their parents pay thousands of dollars only for them to be stripped down into nothingness mm. and to be told well you know if you don't do it my way then you know you're garbage or something like that yeah. and it just isn't necessary i had know? an experience kind of like that at st mary's i don't know if i told you this um there was literally a class mm -hmm. um i forgot what class but i walked out i uh i a i was in a bad mood already i think it might have been a test or mm. i i broke up with my ex a while back yeah and and i i went to this class and i knew it was going to be something ridiculous but they were they were doing a they were try i forgot what it was i blocked it out of my head but it got to the point that i just got up mm. i took my bag and i walked out of class mm. Mm. and i changed and i changed my uh my scholarship to uh technical theater because i was done i was done with the program yeah. and what they were doing. i'm so glad james that you weren't so traumatized that you were like screw theater period mm, exactly i still wanted to be a part of it but yeah. i just with the acting scene and what they were trying to do i was like no 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 i'm gonna do i'm gonna still be a part of it yeah but i'm gonna do technical theater I'm trying to expand my technical yeah. theater now regarding technical theater like stage managing lightboard operating sound i think it was mostly it was mostly set sound mm -hmm. set building yes that okay. i think that was the key fundamental 
experience that I had, but it turned into um, a little bit of lighting, but mostly like sound and all that. So that was great. And I'm oh, glad I had that experience because yeah. I'm so used to the acting <laughs> side, right? Now, did you do a lot of tech? No. Okay. No, no. Growing up before, yeah. before I switched. Well, yeah, or let's say coming out of school, like, do you have like a tech resume? No, I okay. barely. But I, you know, I I would love to expand more, mm -hmm. right? It's more of the background, meaning more of like sound. I think I'm oh, more sure. interested in sound and trying to develop. I don't know. I don't know what the right word is. Well, the, sound design. Like, yeah. we, I interviewed a, a good friend of mine, Greg Sharp, and he works mm -hmm. in Central Works. And he is probably one of the best sound designers I've ever, Ooh. not just compiling sounds like, oh, we need a telephone ring. So pull a telephone ring yeah. off the internet. But he can really just create, you know, from his studio, all sorts of, you know, mm. like just composites, composites and things like that. Mm. And he's a musician anyway. So right. there are those who are true sound designers. And they're those who, you know, just operate a light board, you know, which, uh -huh. which is fine, or a soundboard. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Did you ever do tech, Lauren? I I briefly worked for a children's theater, but the only type of tech they had me do was um, like kind of spotlight and music cues. Mm -hmm. So, and that I guess that is basic, basic tech. Yeah, no, but, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah. Now, James mentioned, I guess, a, a bad experience in theater. Have you had any bad experiences at all? Hmm, I don't think I had any situations that I l literally walked out of, but I. Yeah, I think my bad experiences are more of my own anxiety. <laughs> like one time I went to an audition and um, I had prepared my monologue, but I drew a blank. Oh, so I just tried to make up the rest of it. And oh, I yeah. literally looked at the door to leave and I... For a second contemplate, I was like, should I just leave? <laughs> Wait, when was this? This was in college. Oh, really? What what, uh, what were you auditioning? I was, I think I was auditioning for um, like student films. But anyway, I still did the monologue. <laughs> and yeah, and the other bad experience I had was just when I tried to sing. Um, I tried to sing On the Steps of the Palace, that mm -hmm. Cinderella song from oh, Into the okay. Woods. Yeah. But it's actually, it's not in my vocal range. <laughs> So oh. I just remember I, I tried to sing the high note and my voice cracked and everyone clapped for me, but I could tell it was out of pity. <laughs> oh, what a shame. You know, as a, as you can see my keyboard here, I uh, come from a music background. My dad has um, been involved in music. And a lot of times when I go into auditions, if, the key, if, if there's a song that I like and it's not in my key, of course, there are uh, music, there are websites that'll have sheet transpose. music and they can transpose mm -hmm. it. Sometimes I'll just transpose it myself. I'll just play it myself. Mm -hmm. And there are ways that you can um, have music programs that can transpose it. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, that's just something that I do. But, yeah, mm -hmm. I've, I've, been, I've been there and I've had to change my resume. I'm like, because at first I was a first tenor. I'm not mm. a first tenor anymore. <laughs> My voice has just gone down, so I'm not going to hit those notes anymore. So I had mm. to make those changes, but it is what it is. Mm. Um, but you haven't had any... We've had women on uh, actresses who have, I don't know, have had to deal with, I don't know, just um, uncomfortableness in the rehearsal area, dealing with intimacy, that sort of stuff. Mm. You haven't had to deal with any of that? No, and it's interesting because... Um, so. I just played April and company yeah. and because of the bedroom scene, um, the way um, our company handled it was they hired an intimacy director to come in and mm -hmm. they put a lot of emphasis on 
you need to like tell us if you feel uncomfortable. We really want you to feel safe. We want you to feel you, like you can truly fully be this character and not have any fear or and have a good relationship with your scene partner. Yeah. So because of that, I feel I think that allowed me to open up in that scene mm-hmm. and not feel as nervous or scared because I had the support of the actual director and intimacy director and yeah. No, that's fantastic. Was it Maya Herbsman? Um, no. I know she's been around for a while. Okay. But yeah. And in Peril Slices, I mean, we've had a couple of hugs, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Troy did say, listen, we can bring in an in, in, in mm-hmm. intimacy coordinator if we needed to. So, yeah. But uh, I'm glad you had that good experience because we've heard so many of the other stories. I mean, mm. we, we, when I had Maya Herbsman on, I actually played so many cl- snippets of other women who have, test- who have talked about their bad experiences oh, no. throughout the years. And it just happens. And luckily, mm-hmm. the, um, the dynamic of, of the Bay Area theater is changing. Yes. Were they were there trying to get more the intimacy directors? Because I never heard of it until company. Exactly. Intimacy directors um, to come in mm-hmm. to just take a look. Because unfortunately, you know, a lot of these shows where there is a need for intimacy are directed by men mm-hmm. and who are insensitive to what's going on. They're like, hey, come on. I, I just want to see it. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I wanna, yeah. I'm interested in the beat and I want to interested in what mm-hmm. the audience is going to see. Without any regard of what a woman wants. Mm. As a matter of fact, there's a famous, uh, there was a uh, play that happened at the arena stage. I think I've talked about it when we were doing our pair slices um, uh, uh, rehearsal. But basically, the entire show closed down. It was a, um, a woman who had to play a Negro League baseball player, female baseball player. She's actually a part of a Negro, um, uh, Black American history. And of course, she and her character was being harassed by the baseball men. Mm. So, I mean, that was part of the play. But the actual cast members really were harassing her. Mm. And oh, no, she, you know, she brought it up. She was like, listen, I want to work with you guys. But, you know, I'm feeling really uncomfortable. Yeah. And it only irritated the director. And finally, she was like, you know what? I need to take a day. And, and, and it also dealt with equity, mm. where she took so many days off that the entire production just had to shut down and millions of dollars were lost. Wow. What? And it didn't need to be that way. Yeah. Just make, create a comfortable environment yeah. for everybody. Mm. So, so yes, yeah, so there's that, a definite need for intimacy coordinators and, you know, actors who get a little touchy and feely, you know, you can have someone in the room say, hey, listen, if you, you know, you need to check in with mm-hmm. your partner. Yeah. Yep. Look into the person's eye and say, hey, yeah. is this okay? Yeah. And make sure you do it the exact same way that you've rehearsed it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That actually, um, that was like, what is it? Week one where we had our intimacy director, Stacy mm-hmm. play, not play games, but it's kind of like. Activities. The activities, right? To get adjusted to your partners. Because company, as you know. Yeah. It's, it's all about couples. It's yeah. all exactly, exactly, and the couples. girlfriends too, right? With Bobby, sure. So I was, you know, at first I didn't know who I was, who my partner was going to be, and yeah. I'm always for me, it's like I need to make sure that the person that I'm going to be coupled with, like we're going to have good connection, good chemistry, and all that. Mm-hmm. And luckily, uh, shout out to you know Amy, mm-hmm. um, she she was great, and it's check ins, like you said. Mm-hmm. And it's not just check-ins. It's literally checking in and say, hey, how was your day? Yeah. How are you doing? 
Mm-hmm. And and little things like that, we yeah. slowly got comfortable. And we were, you know, a it helped that she was also an educator. So there were days that we were just drained. Mm-hmm. And then there's other things that we just, you know, we uh, we agreed upon. And you know, and I think building on a relationship like that, our characters got a little bit more dynamic. No, that's mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah. Speaking of intimacy, or speaking of just you know connecting. Mm-hmm. Tell me a love story. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren should start. Because <laughs> you guys, so company, you guys were both cast and company last year. Yes. Yeah. And you guys did not know each other, right? No. No, we didn't. So I remember um, on my birthday, the first rehearsal, I sat next to him by just by chance. Mm-hmm. And then over the course of the rehearsal process, we didn't we didn't talk that much, but I always, I was gradually becoming more interested in him as the rehearsals went on because i would check in right i would be like hey lauren you know how are no, you no it was more because of how you interacted with other people that's what i appreciated <laughs> about him it's his warmth with other people oh interesting but um so then we got postponed and then we get postponed and i'm like okay am i gonna wait six months to see if he's even first of all if he's even straight and so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you do. You and, check. Yeah. and second off, if he is, if he has a girlfriend or is interested in someone else, mm-hmm. so, so then I mustered up a lot. Of, I mustered up a lot of courage, and then I called him and I told him that I was interested in him. And I thought I was in trouble. I thought I thought I, I going back to the whole intimacy. Yeah, because I was like, "Hi, Lauren, how are you doing?" Yeah. But then when I got uh, a Facebook Messenger notice from Lauren, you know, like, "Hi, James, you know, I would like to talk to you, and I hope you have time." I was like, "Oh no, did oh, I? Boy. Yeah, did I do something? Did I? Yeah." Do and then um, phone call happened, and you know, I always thought like, you know, this is this cute girl in the class, and in the cast. Sorry. And both of you just happened to be single. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, I had the opposite. I was like, well, I hope she's, you know, still single when we get back because I didn't want to create any drama. Yeah. You know, if if something didn't work or mm-hmm. like when we were dating or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, no, it, we went out to Mountain View and then ever since then we just slowly, you know, just connected and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you guys are still smiling. That's awesome. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's still pretty new because, yeah. Yeah, absolutely is, and I think it's been kind of a rewarding experience to to share something that we're both passionate about, right? Yeah, yeah you know, it's funny because uh, we've had individuals um, talk about how to manage their relationship with their partner and also do theater, because it's mm-hmm. tough. I've had girlfriends who are like, my God, you're coming in at 11 p.m. Mm-hmm. What the hell's going on? Mm-hmm. I'm like, the rehearsal ended at 5, mm-hmm. <laughs> at, at, at 10. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, tech week. Mm-hmm. Or let's say I'm in, have an intimacy scene with you know this mm-hmm. other person and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. So having a partner who is also involved in theater is a reward. It is. Yeah. It is. Uh, I don't know what you want to I think the other nice thing is we've even done this sometimes is we can rehearse together and yeah. go through scenes. And because we're both actors, we have, we just, we just get it. <laughs> exactly. And, and I knew like with the character, April, like obviously she has a huge intimacy moment with Bobby mm-hmm. on stage, like literally getting into bed. And mm-hmm. 
Yeah. That's right. It was a one night stand. I remember that. Yes. The <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to characterize it like that. I mean, it is, though. It is. <laughs> it is, yeah. But it's it's little stuff like that that I know that my friends are like, oh, dude, how do you do it? Like, it's like, well, I don't, I, I don't know. It's it's a it's a form of trust, and mm-hmm. B we're both professionals. Yeah. We're not we're not some teenagers. Right? Yeah. Oh, I understand. So your friends were like, oh, you just saw your your girlfriend yeah. get into bed with it. Well, I mean, it's theater. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But they, and you know what? They came in and saw the show, and they they a they you know they. They understood, right? Yeah. They understood, you know, some purpose of the scene, and also mm-hmm. like, I, and I warned warned them at the time, yeah. like, oh, by the way, you know, Lauren is going to be doing this, and mm-hmm. they were they were chill, they were chill, they weren't awesome. like bagging on me and all that. So I appreciate it. Very that. very good. Yeah, and we're getting close to the one hour mark. I want to be respectful because you got to go, right? No, you know what? No. no. We- <laughs> I thought you had an. I thought you had an audition. Oh no, that oh. was yesterday. He had a callback. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I uh, it was a callback for uh, Hillbarn. They're doing the producers, and I got called back hey! for Hey, yeah, Mel Brooks, right? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Another, another. Actually, yeah. it's a Neil Simon thing. Is it Neil Simon? No, no, you're right. It, it, Mel Brooks. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah, Mel yeah, Brooks. yeah. But no, uh, no, we're here. So if you. Okay, cool. Because <laughs> we're having a good time. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And plus, we didn't even get into company yet. Too. Oh yes, company. So how was company? How how was the run? I think the run went really well. We got a lot of people to come out, and I think even though the show is set in the seventies and in a way could be considered old fashioned, I think yeah. because the subject matter is so relatable, it's like everyone would understand it and resonate with it. Absolutely, it's basically. I mean, for those who don't know, I mean, how could you not know? I mean, it's one of the famous Stephen Sondheim. Um, musicals. It's about a bunch of couples who are having all sorts of issues, older couples, younger couples. And there's the central character, Bobby, who is single. And everyone is like, oh, my God, you have such a wonderful, privileged life of not having someone. And yet mm. Bobby's the one. Of course, his famous song, Being Alive. Yep. He just wants someone to touch, to mm. love, to hold, someone to connect with. Mm. So, I, And... <laughs> I feel like Thunder's going to strike me. I'm not a huge Sondheim fan, mm-hmm. but when I first was introduced to this show, I was like, ah, I love it. I love mm-hmm. it a lot because it's, like I said, it's tableaus of different couples' lives. Yeah. And the, the good side mm-hmm. of each couple, and then there's scenes also with kind of like, ooh, when Bobby sees, like, oh, I don't want that. I like this. Right. But there's this other aspect yeah. of like... Because you, um, you always think the grass is greener on the other yeah. side. Correct. Yeah. Until you see the yeah. other side, and you're like, ugh. Maybe I'm okay <laughs> with where I am. Yeah, and, and that's why I love my scene so much. And my scene partner, we did a fabulous job of mm-hmm. like, there's the ha 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 moment of right. getting high, and oh, this is great. This oh, is the fun. You added that in there, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then there's the other aspect later on, and mm-hmm. this is how we interpreted the scene: mm-hmm. is that David, David with with his wife Jenny, mm-hmm. was I don't know how to describe it. He thinks he knows what's best mm-hmm. for for Jenny he, because oh. he's trying to like no 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 she doesn't want to get high anymore we're we're good I yeah. know her yeah I and he's trying to convince him himself saying this to Bobby and that's the the turning point where Bobby's yeah. like what the hell is this I thought we were having a wonderful time getting mm-hmm. high but all of a yeah. sudden you're saying no to her and mm-hmm. but that's why I love about the show it's the the complication of human reactions yeah you know it's 
getting a, to a, just a little bit of history, you know, there have been these musicals, like, you know, I guess the history of musicals in America began with Gilbert and Sullivan, who yep. are English guys, oh, really? bringing the Mikado and other things, which was eventually English person's versions of, you know, other cultures and things. And then you had the burlesque or the... Um, the um, I guess the showcases. Uh, the um, when I say burlesque, I'm talking about the. Um, what am I trying to say? Is it basically uh, the um, Borscht Belt sort of a New York type of uh, things where let's say you showcase a song and then you showcase another song. It, it would be almost like you know just a string of things. It wouldn't even you couldn't even call it a musical. No. And then you had um, uh, Cole Porter. Yep, exactly. With anything goes, and then Rogers and Rogers and Hammerstein, Rogers yep. and Hart. When Sondheim comes Hart. in with uh, really just another version of Romeo and Juliet, which is West Side Story, he's bringing in a modernized version of America. What's happening with America and a modernized version of the musical? He's really retranslating what's happening with musicals, and he does it with Company, which happened, which came out in 1970. And really talked about just relations with American relations. It really is one of those odd plays where it doesn't have a real plot. And it doesn't have a happy ending. Right. Right? And I, yeah. Because Bobby remains single, right? Yeah, in the end, well, my understanding of the end is he's seeing all these relationships and he's getting all these opinions about what he should do with his life. But he really needs time, he realizes in the end, to just be alone and really analyze for his own self. What do I really want? Mm-hmm. Apart from being influenced by all my couple's friends, what do I, when I'm by myself at the end of the day, want for my life? Right. Right, exactly. We were talking about it yesterday, too. We were trying to figure out what what happens to all these other characters. Like, mm-hmm. what happens to April yeah. at the end of it? Um, and Bobby, too. Because I, I don't know. I guess, yeah, he remains single. There's some people who joke around, oh, he gets a dog or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but but I don't, I don't know. That's something I guess I didn't ask Justin about, yeah. you know, I, who played Bobby and he did a fabulous job. Oh, yeah. We got to get him on. Yeah. We got to get him on. Um, but it is one of those. It is a musical that transcends culture and it, it doesn't mm-hmm. get old and it's relatable even now, mm-hmm. which yeah. is something that Sondheim is really great with. I mean, even something like Sweeney Todd yes. <laughs> taking place in the late 1800s mm-hmm. is still relevant now because it deals with revenge and, and uh, guilt. And all that sort of stuff. And Sondheim was just wonderful when it came to that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was really a turning factor in, in the history of American musicals yeah. with plays like Company mm-hmm. and Sweeney Todd. And I think about that when I think about Angela Lansbury, who passed away. Oh, yeah. um, really a tragic loss. Are you happy with uh, Bay Area Theater? Are you getting the roles that you want? Are you frustrated? Do you want to go to New York or L.A.? or <laughs> how, how do you feel, both of you? I'm happy. I... So before COVID, I was living in New York, and I was hopefully slowly wanting to climb the ladder of theater there. But mm-hmm. then because of COVID and Broadway shutting down, I'm like, this is most of the reason why I'm here. So I'm going to go back to the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. And then when I came back, I started getting involved. And then I realized there is like a lot of theater all across the Bay Area and a lot of different types of shows too and different types of opportunities, not mm-hmm. just like musicals, but plays and one-act festivals, all types of things. So because of that, I didn't feel the need to go back because I was like, there's already a rich community and opportunity here. Yeah. 
Okay. How about you? I think I've been very, very fortunate. Um, when I first started, I took like a eight year, ten, eight to ten year hiatus from theater because you know, in my head, got yeah. focused on my career and try to get established, et cetera. Sure. And then I auditioned for Thirdly Modern Millie, and I got my foot in the door mm-hmm. with it. And I, what 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 company did that? It's BMT, South Bay Musical Theater. Okay. Yeah, so they literally opened the door for me, and then um, doing shows. It's like networking. Mm-hmm. When people, that I think that's why I love theater, especially our theater community here in the Bay Area. Sure. It's networking, mm-hmm. and it's the people you know that you connect with. Yeah. And of course, there's other people that just like. Mm, Nope, not gonna, not gonna do this again. No, no, mm-hmm. no, no, no. Exactly. But, but at least you have those experiences, or you have those other people you can talk to, and just mm-hmm. I don't know, connect. I I want to do plays. I want to do. I want to do like. I was going to ask you if you're because I know you guys have done musicals, but do you want to do a serious play? Do you want to do a comedy? I want to do a serious play. Okay. I've been kind of itching to do like a uh, not a Shakespeare play. No, 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 no. I want to do like something that really hits home. So that's why when I saw one of these uh, little pair slices, right, all these one act plays, I yeah, think, like damn, that's really good. And they're hungry for young actor, and they're hungry for you know budding actors. I mean, yeah. I've involved with the Pear Theater. I've involved with uh, Dragon Theater. Dragon they also Theater, do yeah. the exact same thing. Okay. Uh, the Playwright Center for San Francisco. They have young budding writers. Play uh, play playground. San Playground San Francisco. Okay. They also have a, a young repository of um, playwrights and and actors who you know act in those things. So that's a great way to get your foot in the door. And it's one of those things. If you're good, your name will get around. All of a sudden, you don't have to audition mm-hmm. anymore. But someone's like, "Hey, mm-hmm. I saw James Jones do this mm-hmm. thing. You know, call him." <laughs> so there you go. Or Lauren. You know, yeah. I'm sure. Have you gotten to the point, in Lauren, where? You're not only you're not auditioning anymore. People are just calling you or texting you or you know sending you a message saying, "Hey, I need you in this thing." I've gotten a few of those just because I've started doing theater more recently. Mm-hmm. But James gets. I feel like I always say he's he's like VIP actor Stop. because he gets he, he does get emails for offers for call, for all. to go to callbacks. Mm-hmm. Is what yeah, I mean. but I you know I'm, I'm I I am very fortunate about that and I'm. Yeah, I don't know. I have now. I'm, I'm now. I'm getting like, Ugh. no, but like mm-hmm. for for Leo, you know, for that part for Leo Bloom, I got a call back for that because I did. I did do theater at mm-hmm. Hillbarn uh, Newsies. Yeah, and had a wonderful experience. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we'll we'll see. The, the producers is definitely on my bucket list. That's the producers would be excellent. I don't know if you're going to get the Zero Mostel or the uh, the Gene Wilder character. I think it might be the Gene Wilder character. That I can see you in that. For. Yeah, yeah, for Leo Bloom. They Accountant. Yeah. Yeah, that's... <laughs> and it's a zany comedy. I mean, so, you know, that that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. But there are also, there are also sorts of, uh, you know, cool, um, serious stuff as well, so... Which I, I know. Mm-hmm. And I... I would love to do something. I don't know what the equivalent would be, but, like, obviously, I, I don't know, like an Arthur Miller type... Mm-hmm. Um, he likes fences a lot. I love fences, fences yeah. so much. I have a go-to. If I need inspiration, I watch James Earl Jones. <laughs> it's yeah. on YouTube. Yeah. You can look it up. James Earl Jones, fences. Yeah. And there's that scene where he is talking to his son. 
and yeah. it's so intense. I have goosebumps yeah. right now. It's really good. It's it's, it's funny when uh, Norman and I we when we first began uh, doing the yay, it was right when Denzel Washington and um, oh. Oh, God damn it. What's, oh, her what's, her, what's her name? Viola Davis. Viola Davis, Davis. yes. Yeah. When they did their movie, and of course Viola won the uh, the Oscar yeah. for Best uh, Actress. And we talked about, there's the one scene, it's probably the best acting scene where she doesn't say a word. Mm. It's basically when he comes in, she's in the kitchen, oh. and yeah, yes. you know what I'm talking about. Yes, I do. And he's like, listen... <laughs> Uh, I've been sleeping around, and this other woman's pregnant, and she's about to give birth to a baby, and I want you to take care of the baby. And she goes through so many emotional reactions just by her face. Yep. And it was just enough. I mean, it's if I if I could teach acting, I would say you know you don't have to open your mouth to to express yourself. She is listening. Yes. Listen to your partner. Yes. Listen to what they're saying and react. That's exactly okay? right. And that's why I love that scene, too. Yeah. And yeah. that's why I love that movie. And I love Denzel Washington. But yeah, mm-hmm. Viola Davis, I feel like a ding dong for not remembering her. <laughs> no, 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 no. So, yeah, so Fences is just awesome. But yeah, so it sounds like, you know. It, so, yeah, go ahead. So, that's what I'm trying to get at. It's yeah. like, I like like that type of material. Yeah. Something that's so real and. and Oh man, I, I in my mind I would love if they did like the Green Mile, you know. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. To put that in production, I I could honestly see that something like that. Have you guys thought about doing um, their actors who have uh, YouTube videos? You know, like even for auditions, let's say you put your monologues up on YouTube, or you may have a project on YouTube so that you you can because Norman and I we've been talking a lot about the audition process like let's say you have a monologue or you have a set of monologues that you have in your head and some people do great monologues but they're not really great actors or they don't really work well with other mm. people mm. and so you do you know you as a director you may see someone do a great monologue you cast them and then they're horrible because all they can do is that monologue mm. <laughs> And then you have folks who do great cold reads. Mm-hmm. Like, do you prefer cold reads as opposed to doing monologues when it comes to, I don't know, the audition process? I think I prefer doing cold reads. Yeah. I think it probably helps the director to see what you can do on the spot and what kind of personality you bring just instinctually. Yeah. It takes a skill because you have to learn how to read ahead and then look up in the person's eyes and you know and be still be able to follow what's going on do you feel the same way james yeah i i prefer cold reads put you on the spot and all that but i we were talking about this during our strike mm-hmm. and we have some individuals who are like for that for those who have a lot of anxiety sure right they they prefer something that's like videotaped and all that mm-hmm. and and you know i respect that i respect yeah. that but for me, for cold reads, it's like you're on the spot. It's live, mm-hmm. too. So, and that's what's going to happen in theater, right? It's live theater. Yeah. But I know it could be anxiety driven. So I understand their point of view. I'm kind of mixed, as you can see. Um, it's it's like a well, they're, they're yings sword. and yangs because yeah. you know you can do a great video audition. Mm-hmm. But of course, if you've had 15 or 20 takes, <laughs> you pick the best one. Obviously, you pick the best one, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you're a great actor. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because you have that practice, right? Over right, exactly, mm-hmm. as opposed to being live. Um, have you guys thought about the business of theater? Like, uh, do, like, let's say you've been cast, it's wonderful, but now you get to talk about how much you're going to be paid, or let's say negotiating, that sort of stuff. 
I haven't. I think because I'm still new to to doing local theater, I I'm really just happy to be wherever wherever. Yeah. I get well, do you have a, do you have a floor as to like? Do you have it in your mind? I will work, but I won't work if it's under this amount of money. No, I think for me, I enjoy it so much that even if I don't get paid, I honestly, I just the process of rehearsing and learning a character and learning um, every element of the show it, to me it's like my hobby and it's so fun so okay. i don't think about the business of it that much yeah i'm the same way it's a it's my extracurricular so that's why i don't get into like some people it's their lives and that's all they can talk about but mm-hmm. i'm like i have football you know i got friends yeah. i have other hobbies it's sure. not the end of the world when you when you brought up that question though i like the operations side mm-hmm. so like the finance side or yeah. what does the executive producer needs yeah. to do oh do you think you'd be a producer one of oh, these days man i would love that or somewhere on the the operating side of theater i would love to be a part of it um starstruck theater where i grew up with mm-hmm. i would love to do like the operating finances and helping that organization yeah you know there are a lot of folks who are looking for individuals As a matter of fact uh, norman g my Partner in crime. Yeah, he. Uh, we're doing the Baldwin project, and he's looking for people who can be involved in the sort of the um, the business, not the business, but the the money side or the, the I guess the um, administrative side of it. Mm. So yeah, and that's what I like. Yeah, yeah, that's very cool. Mm-hmm. I guess one last question: uh, Where do you see yourself in the future, five, ten years from now? You guys may be married. Not that I want to push it. I know it's a relationship, <laughs> but. I mean, do you see yourself doing the exact same thing or um, moving on? I was reading in, in um, there was a news article this week. There are a lot of folks who are leaving um, San Francisco. The mm. U.S. Census yeah. says that San Francisco, more people have left San Francisco than any other metropolitan area. So mm. I don't know if, um, you know, if that plays a factor or if you enjoy being where you are. Mm. But have you thought about the future at all? I don't think about the future that much. I live very, yeah, I I think in, you, if you look at my life, I, I do make a lot of spontaneous decisions, and I think, so not really, I don't know where I'll be in five or ten years, but definitely still doing theater. Okay. I know that that's still going to be in my life. Well, you're happy with where you are. Yeah. Very mm-hmm. cool. That's I didn't even ask your day job. What is your day job? Oh, I work uh, for a healthcare office, and okay. I'm receptionist and um, coordinator. Very cool. Mm-hmm. How about you, James? Are you happy with where you are? I'm envious of Lauren because she has that <laughs> mindset. I, she knows that I'm like, what am I gonna do? I gotta, I gotta plan this out. You know? Yeah. I, I am happy. I'm very happy. I'm very blessed mm-hmm. to be where I'm at right now. You know, there's a lot of other paths I could have taken that I could probably be miserable, but a lot has happened to me, mm-hmm. and. And I'm very fortunate about that. So uh, with with teaching, hopefully I'm there for the long run. We'll see. Yeah. Um, uh, what else? Uh, family. My friends are getting married. You know. Now, you know, I have this wonderful relationship with Lauren. It's just there's a lot of good things that are happening, and I'm very blessed. So hopefully, continue doing theater. Have good health. Mm-hmm. Be happy. Right on. That's what it's all about. <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much. Um, so what we usually do in the year, we talk about birthdays. So there are a couple of birthdays that have happened or will be happening. Uh, today, Taranji Agazarian is 58 years old, and it's her birthday. She runs um, 
it's I think it's the Arabian Shakespeare Company. And uh, she is a playwright, uh, and it was wonderful to ha- to interview her. She uh, is a Middle Eastern writer, and she focuses on Middle Eastern issues. So mm-hmm. happy Uh-oh. birthday to Ranj. Paige Rogers, uh, it's her birthday today as well. I want to say she runs um, Cutting Ball, I, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone will tell me if I'm wrong. <laughs> but uh, Paige, happy birthday to you. Aaron Martinson, uh, he is 38 years old, and I'm watching a picture of us we the last time I was on stage with him, we did uh, a thing called um, oh, what is it called? Um, Pride Open. It was Pride Open. It was the last show I did with EastEnders, and one of the last shows that I did at the X Theater, which is shutting down mm. this year, which is mm. so sad. Um, but in any case, Aaron, wherever you are, happy birthday to you. He's thirty-eight years old. Um, Christine Uren, a very good friend of mine, her birthday was yesterday. She is a magnificent playwright. Uh, actress. She is also a great uh, designer. Uh, many of the posters that I'm looking on the wall was designed by Christine, mm-hmm. especially we both were members of EastEnders Repertory Company, and a lot of the EastEnders um, um, posters and, and cards that we would distribute out was designed by Christine. So mm-hmm. happy birthday, Christine. Uh, my sister Nicole, her birthday was yesterday. Hey. <laughs> uh, DM DeVito, Damaris DeVito, her birthday is on October the 17th. She's a wonderful Latina actress. She was in my play. I wrote a play called Judicial Process, and she was involved in that. And we were also in Dragon Eggs. Um, we were scene partners there. Happy birthday, Damaris. Also, Dale Murphy, his birthday is on October the 17th. He has gotten me a bunch of jobs throughout the years. He and I acted. We were in Bat Boy the Musical, and I'm looking at the poster right there, Ray of Light Theater. That was a wonderful moment. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, a good friend of mine, Marlene Stevens, Mar Stevens, she is a, um, I'm going to call her a griot. She's like an African, she teaches African drums, mm. and she uh, has been doing that for many years, and her birthday is on October the 18th. Is that a, like, a storyteller, right? Exactly. Yeah. African storyteller. Mm-hmm. Um, Allison Luderman, her birthday is on October the 19th. I acted in her play, her mini musical called The Chain. That was a part of musical theater. As a matter of fact, you guys uh, are you know into musicals. That would be a great thing for you as actors to get involved in. They're always looking for young actors who sing to help budding musical writers develop their musicals. Mm. So, And they helped me. I developed a musical called Nia, which is right there. So uh, check that out. Allison Ludeman, her birthday is now October the 19th, so that's that. Um, Alan Casmorio, uh, another actor slash director. He's uh, running the Chickahan Theater Company, a Philippine company. His birthday is October the 20th. I acted with Alan. As a matter of fact, we did the Baldwin Project earlier this year, and he directed me when I was involved in Bindlestiff Studios' uh, Stories High. So uh, his birthday is October the 20th. Also October the 20th is Jeremy Sawyer. Uh, he did The Marriage of Bet and Boo. We are first, the story of, Bet Mar- story, the, story of the Marriage of Bet and Boo, our first rehearsal was on September the 11th, 2001. Wow. <laughs> wow. And of course, we had to cancel that rehearsal, but people needed to laugh. So it was, good. it was a good run that we had during that very tumultuous time. Okay. Mm. Uh, so Jeremy Sawyer, happy birthday to you. There's an Asian actress. I just recently connected with her online. Hopefully I'll get to interview her. Her birthday is October the 21st. Uh, and the last person, Jessica Coker Moore. She's a fantastic singer. She and I, we were involved in Bat Boy the Musical. She is an incredible belter. 
Um, she is uh, um, her birthday is October the 22nd and she is still involved with Ray of Light Theater which is another great musical company to be involved in mm. if you're a musical um, talented um, actor and actress mm. so that is that there are also some shows that are still going on I was going to Pump company, but company closed. It's done now. <laughs> but that's okay. Murder on the Nile, Coastal Rep Theater Company is doing that still. Uh, we had Lewis Schilling. He was a guest on our last episode of The Yay. That is still going on. It closes October the 23rd, so check that out. Uh, Clybourne Park is happening still at the Hill Barn Theater. As a matter of fact, we just talked about the Hill Barn. Yep. Uh, that closes October the 30th. A good friend of mine, Andrew Ippolit, is in that show, so check that out. <clears throat> Excuse me. Something Rotten is being played at the West Valley Light Opera. Oh, oh that will be playing. It starts up November the 5th. It ends December the 3rd. A good friend of mine, Melissa Mambuis, is in that show. I know Melissa. You yeah. do? Yeah. We were on stage. We did um, Grey Gardens. Oh, <laughs> nice. I did a, a Newsies, and she was the only female yeah. person there. <laughs> no, Melissa's fantastic. And when we had her on the Yay... She had a, she talked very openly about her condition. She has a medical condition that she recently um, overcame, and uh, it sort of it nearly threatened her life. And uh, she was very open about talking about that. Mm-hmm. So, Melissa, you know, we're glad that you're still involved, and uh, mm-hmm. good luck on something rotten playing at uh, West Valley Light Opera. Pony uh, is playing at the Cutting Ball Theater. It opens. It opened yesterday, and it closes November the thirteenth. Karen Bechia is directing the piece. A good friend of mine, Julie Coabara, is in the piece, so check that out. It deals with transgendered lives and uh, people who uh, live as transgendered Mm -hmm. and how they cope and how Mm. other people cope around them. So I think it's a very important piece uh, that Cutting Ball is doing. Uh, The Coastal Rep is doing, will be doing Christmas in Oz, December the 1st through the 18th. Danny Martin, a good friend of mine, is directing that show. Uh, the Women's Annex, that is still going on. That act, No, that actually opened yesterday. It closes November the 13th. Elizabeth Carter is directing that show, Central Works, who sponsors the A. Thank you so much, Central Works. Uh, 42nd Street Moon is doing Gypsy. We'll be doing Gypsy November the 3rd through the 14th. A very good friend of mine, Mara Sotelo, is in that show. So check that out. Camelot is... Um, Oh, no, no, no. That is closed. So never mind. (laughs) (laughs) I got to delete that. Uh, The Spelling Bee at the Contra Costa Musical Theater. That will be going on November the 4th through the 20th. A good friend of mine, Stephen McLeod. You know Stephen? Yeah, he was also in Newsies. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. He was in Newsies. That's great. We were in uh, Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. Uh, he he was magnificent in that. And uh, I was so glad to, uh, to be on stage with him. So, yeah, so check that out. Mm. Also, very lastly, um, a, there are a couple of other podcasts that are uh, happening. Um, Barry Graves, who was my Richard Wright in my play, uh, Foreman in Paris, he has a podcast called The Black Man's Heart, so check that out. Mallory Somera, who helps us out on the yay. Her day job is KCBS Radio, and she has a uh, weekly news podcast called Connect the Dots, so check that out. Bendelstiff Studios has a podcast called The Fobcast, exploring Philippine-American immigrant stories, so check that out. Also, we have jerseys, the yay jerseys. Please check that out. Uh, we have black jerseys. We have white jerseys. It's only $30, and I've been posting p- people uh, buying the jerseys and wearing them with pride, so thank you so much for supporting us. You can just um, Venmo me, or uh, you can send me a message saying that you want a jersey, and I'll hook you up. 
That is it. Um, Lauren and uh, James, did you enjoy yourselves? Yes. yes. Thank, thank you, you for having so us. Yeah, yeah, thank you for uh, spending time with me on this Sunday. Uh, you can wa- you can listen to the Yay on all podcasts. We're on that Purple Podcast app if you have an iPhone or an iPad. We're on Spotify. We're on Overcast. We are on uh, there are a couple of there are a bunch of other podcasts. We're on the SoundCloud app if you're an Android user. The A was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise, or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up. The A three is our Twitter feed. Uh, I'm at Red Space Clay. Uh, do you guys have any social media that people can follow you at? No. <laughs> We're very secluded. <laughs> but you guys are both. I know you're on Facebook, so people yes. can. Um, yeah, so yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Now, James, is it James L. Jones? M. 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 Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I imagine there are a bunch of James Jones around out there. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So James M. Jones. Yeah, James yeah. M. Jones. Mm-hmm. So if uh, budding directors, producers, if you're looking for a great actor, actress, uh, singers, you can't go wrong with uh, Lauren or James. <laughs> so hit him up. Thank you. There it is. Thank you so much. I'll let you guys go and so we can enjoy this wonderful Sunday afternoon. And as Norman and I always say, we got to find a better sign-off. And we are out. Thank you.